What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here in today's episode, we've seen games one and two of the NBA Finals between the Warriors and Celtics. We are going to be here to kind of talk about what's happened so far in the series. Uh, take a look back as well on our X Factors and just talk about the finals in general. So it should be a good show. Always love talking about the NBA Finals. The whole world's watching. And yeah, let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. Yeah, what is going on, everyone? It is Eric, your ranting co-host here. Uh, glad to be back at you with another episode here. Uh, like Zach said, we got a lot to talk about with the NBA Finals. So uh, glad to be here and glad to be a part of it. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy. And what is going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most. Glad to be back on this episode. Uh, I missed last week. I actually listened back to it. And yes, Eric, your comment about the Hurricanes did give me PTSD when I watched it back again. Um, <laughs> so, you know, not... Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's I'm glad to be back and, uh, you know, talk about some NBA and trying to put that horrible Game 7 loss behind me. Yeah, I... That- when Eric was talking about it, I was I was a little concerned. I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is something like Connor's going to want to listen back to if they end up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure enough, that that ended up happening. But um, yeah, going around the hoop here, talking about the NBA Finals, um, games one and two are in the books. It's a tied series. Uh, the Warriors, I I think the Warriors really feel like they should be leading two zero based on the blowout when they just had, and then the fourth quarter collapse when they gave up the big lead to Boston. So the Warriors are going to have to win one on the road here um, in Boston, whether it be game three, four, or six, if it gets to there. Uh, and and so it, Boston, even though they have the like 20-point loss that they just suffered the other night, they still came in, they, they wanted to win one on the road and they did it. So I feel like if you're a Boston fan, you can't be too upset with how the first two games have gone. Uh, but we want to kind of talk about the ways that these teams, the path to win, so to say. You know, when you watch a, a football game and uh, the announcers at the start of the game are like, all right, here brought to you by Home Depot, the, the tools... <laughs> Pass. Tony Romo's like picks or whatever he whatever that term yeah. is that he always has <laughs> Romo's <laughs> yeah. picks. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe Home Depot can sponsor us now for me be saying that. But the ha- the Home Depot it's... keys to victory. <laughs> yeah, come on, Home Depot, get on it. We need that sponsor money. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what we're gonna kind of be talking about for each team, and it's things that they can improve on. So. Uh, with a tied series, there's always things that both teams could be doing better at. And honestly, when when it's all said and done, I think for either team to win, the list that we've made for each of them is going to have to improve. So uh, each team, we have a few topics about, and we'll go ahead and start with the Warriors. Um, Clay Thompson, I'll let Connor talk about him. What how how bad has Clay been and how do you think he gets gets it back on track? Yeah, so I mean Clay Thompson, he's you know, the second superstar, one second half of the Splash Brothers with the Warriors, and you know, he's just been very underwhelming so far in the playoffs. I mean, 
really in game one, he wasn't bad per se. I mean, he was six of 14, you know, three for seven from three, but like, you know, just put up a very kind of mediocre 15 points, which, you know, you really expect more out of Clay Thompson, like him and Steph Curry are supposed to be the ones, you know, Steph Curry's doing his part, you know, putting up his, you know, about 30 points a game in both game one and game two. But Clay seems like he's really been absent when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, like I said, he did okay in game one, but game two was just completely awful. I mean, he was four of 19 from the field, one of eight from three. Just seems completely not like Clay Thompson. Also, in game three, you know, Clay's really known for his defense, and it's important in this series that he really can shut down the likes of Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, you know, those guards that he's going to be, you know, defending against most often. And, um, you know, while Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart had bad game one or bad game twos, you know, I'm looking at the stats here for them, like the Warriors, they're plus minus, you know. Um, you know, Draymond Green was only a plus seven, but the other three Warriors starters were all plus 19 and above and clay was zero. So it's like, he's definitely, you know, it's like, you're not putting up points when you're on the court and your defense, which is what you're also supposed to be known for. You're not really contributing on that. And you're letting, you know, the other team score points when you're on the court. So it's something that's really important for the golden state warriors. You know, Steph Curry is going to be Steph Curry. He hasn't shown any signs of being bad, but you know, we talked about in the last episode, I know we're going to get to it a little bit here in a second, that, you know, the XRX, Eric and I's X factor for the Warriors was Andrew Wiggins. And, like, we're not anticipating him to be able to produce all the time. But, like, if Clay's also not producing, you know, those nights that Wiggins doesn't produce, then Steph's just going to be left on an island and he can't win these games on his own, especially against this Celtics team. So it's definitely going to be key for Clay to kind of, you know, Refigure out what's going on, get back, you know, get his shooting, find his shooting form and really start putting up the points again, because I know Curry can't do this on his own. All right. Yeah, good stuff there. I think Clay's really been underwhelming. It's it, it's not game six yet. Like game six, Clay is a is a real thing. So that's something I've noticed just in the playoffs. I don't know if it's due to his injury, you know, he's not the same Clay Thompson. He was pre injuries. So I'm wondering if that's the reason behind it. Um, but the good thing for the Warriors, at least for their sake is they've had great guard play coming off the bench now with uh, Gary Payton back in the lineup and uh, Jordan Poole had a great second half. Eric, um, talk to us about <laughs> Draymond Green's composure. I feel like this is a weekly thing that we talk about every time we bring up the Warriors we bring this up because it's a real concern and he almost got himself in real trouble last night uh so what's going on with Draymond yeah well Draymond Green is my favorite player he can guard the one through the five he's like unbeatable <laughs> he can he he can play a perfect event now <laughs> uh no so getting getting serious here um yeah, Draymond definitely needs to be more careful I understand wanting to be vocal, I understand, you know, wanting to make an impact and you want to make your presence felt and, you know, all these kind of things. But he's got to stop doing this stupid stuff and getting all these technical fouls. I I don't know where he's at on the technical foul limit in terms of, like, if he gets so many, you know, I know if they get so many, they get a one-game suspension or whatever. But, I mean, we all remember what happened in that, 
NBA Finals against the Cavs when they were up 3-1 and he was suspended for game five because of the too many technical fouls. And we know how that series turned out. You know, while obviously Draymond's not a big scorer, you know, he's not going to light up the points column or anything. You know, he gets rebounds. He plays good defense, especially help defense on pick and rolls and stuff. You know, he's a good passer. He has his ways of impacting the game. And, you know, while they expect the majority of their scoring to come from Steph, Clay, and Wiggins, they really need Draymond out there for, you know, for his defensive aspect of the game. So he's just got to watch out because, I mean, even in the game yesterday, in game two, he had a technical foul early in the game. And then he had a little skirmish with Jalen Brown and like Zach and I were kind of talking about it while the game was happening. And really, in my opinion, that should have probably been a double technical on both of them. But I think the only reason why they didn't call that was because Draymond had a technical already. So they probably really didn't want to eject him. So then they decided just to wave it off or whatever and just call the common foul. But you know, he got lucky there because say if he had done that one first and got a double technical, got a tech on him for that, and then later he did the thing where they can't really avoid calling a technical, like he's out of the games. And that, and it was pretty early in the game at that point too. It wasn't like this was when Golden State was up by twenty plus points. Like this this was when the game was still close in the first half. So, you know, I like when players are vocal and, you know, smack talk and you know, try to get under their opponent's skin and stuff, but there, there's a limit with it, and he's getting pretty close to crossing the line yet again. Well, to answer your question about the uh, uh, possible suspension for him, if he gets one more flagrant foul caught on him, he gets a one-game suspension because he got that flagrant two in game one. So, and like the NBA allows yeah. you to have the NBA allows you to have three flagrant foul points. So if he gets one more flagrant foul, he'll be get a one game suspension. Yeah, I mean, he had that bad one in the Memphis series too. So yeah, he's. And he's I, I want to say I don't quote me or anything, but I want to say he's had eight technicals in the playoffs so far, and I think the limit on that's ten for a suspension. So I mean, obviously so, the double the double technical would would cause it, but. Also, too, just racking them up each game, you know, hurts his case. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, that's a major thing. And as in regards to that play, I I didn't think it was a technical. Like, I looking at it from the perspective, not knowing that he had a technical before, just from that play on its own, I didn't think it warranted a technical um, based on what happened. It, it was... It, to me, it didn't rise to that level. I think actually the Celtics kind of prevented it from happening. Like I, the Celtics, they need to honestly do a little bit better of letting him get the technicals, like letting him cross the line um, and giving him the bait, you know, it, and I think that's something that they, yeah, they, I mean, it wasn't like talking about it. Yeah. It wasn't like crazy contact, but they both did like kind of shove each other and, and obviously words were exchanged and I can, you know, while I don't know what was said, I can only assume I'm sure they weren't very pleasant words. You know? so, like, <laughs> I'm sure he was, he was like, how's your mom doing? You know, like, hey man, you know, hey man, I know you, you ran into me, but it's okay. I accept your apology. I'm sure hey, that's hey, not you know, <laughs> what, what are you going to have for breakfast tomorrow morning? Like I'm thinking about going and grabbing some breakfast. You want to come? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, Draymond's not having any conversations like that with the opposition. Um, The next and final thing I have here for the Warriors to improve upon, and this is really was a game two observation, but just kind of um, for the series overall, they've got to take advantage of easy points. They left a lot of points uh, on the line that they really should have had, and it didn't cost them in game two, but going forward, this is the kind of stuff that always, in my opinion, watching basketball, like you got to make your free throws. Like they're called free throws or, you know, like (laughs) keyword free. (laughs) Yeah. Keyword there is free. Um, And it, it, it wins and loses games. I mean, when the, a lot of games in the playoffs haven't been particularly close, but I'm assuming we're going to eventually get one really tight game here. And Always after the game, one of the first thing, if I'm not watching it uh, the whole way through, I go back and look and see how they did shooting free throws. And sure enough, there will be a team that's like 16 of 25 from the free throw line. The other team was, you know, 22 of 25. And the team that got 22 of 25 won the game. So by like two points or something. <laughs> yeah. By, yeah, exactly. So that's just so frustrating. They got to make their free throws. Um, Like the Celtics needed to do that too, but they've been doing a better job of it. Um, And then the, the missed layups too, is a big thing in game game two. Really? It really, it was a team thing. Steph missed one. I want to say clay missed some Peyton and uh, pool did all their guards did as well. Uh, The only guy who was perfect was Looney. Actually Looney had a, had a clean game with uh, with his uh, shots. But, yeah, it's just these are the sort of little things that add up. You know, two points here, one point here. You know, it, it adds up, and it's something that kind of gets forgotten about. But to me, it, it's a big deal. Um, let's go ahead and turn it over to the Celtics side of things. Uh, definitely, if you ask any Celtics fan, you were to pull – uh, any Celtics uh, fan turnovers are the killer really for the whole playoffs. And, and now they're, they're costing them uh, big in this final. So uh, Eric talk about the turnover problem for the Celtics. How do they fix it? Uh, can they fix it? And um, how bad's the problem? Oh yeah. It, it's definitely a, it's definitely a problem. I, I think this has been their, biggest problem especially in game two because you know you look at you know the first half when the first half was over it was still close but in the second quarter they had a lot of bad turnovers there and so maybe if they don't commit so many they maybe actually have a little bit of a lead going into the half instead of it being I think it was like a two-point game at halftime and then in the third quarter it was almost like they got even worse with the turnovers and so you know, not only was Golden State hitting, you know, majority of their shots on the half court possessions, you're also giving them free points. And we already know how good Golden State is in the third quarter, which we're going to address even more here in a little bit. But that that's not part of helping to slow that down is not committing so many turnovers. You don't want to just give them easy points. So it's definitely something they need to address. If I'm, you know, the Celtics coaching staff, like, that's all I'm working on over the next couple of days, you know, ball handling, ball security, taking care of the basketball, 
And I don't know, man. It's just I think they're this has kind of been a thing with the Celtics like throughout this whole playoffs like they have some games where you know they look like the best team in the NBA and they almost look unbeatable like like even in game one when they survived all those Golden State runs and then just dominated the fourth quarter of that game like they'll look like that and then they have games like game two where it's like they can't handle the basketball they they look lost out there at times and they don't look like a good team so They've got to, you know, whatever it is they were doing, like in the second half of game one, you know, they need to do more of that. Like, look for, look for, you know, like, ex, like, look for, uh, like, when you're driving in, I don't know why I lost my train of thought there for a second, but, you know, like when Jason Tatum's driving in and he, that double team comes, like, don't be afraid to kick the pass out. I don't know if it's because, like, in game one, Tatum was so bad shooting, he felt like he needed to, you know, be more of a scorer for them and he got too aggressive. But even though he wasn't shooting well in game one, I was okay when he was driving to the paint, getting double team, kicking it out to the open three point shooter. That was still that was still a big help. And I think the Celtics need to do more of that. Like I know Tatum and Brown have been the ones committing the most turnovers. And obviously when you know you're the primary ball handlers, you're gonna have more turnovers than everybody else. But it's just at way too high of a level. And they've got to, they just got to be more careful and find ways to get better shots and be willing to make the extra pass and just keep their composure. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. It's, and that transitioning to my topic for the Celtics, this, uh, I think, is a direct impact of the turnovers. They've got to get just quality, better shots. I mean, other than Jason Tatum and, Honestly, like I don't blame any shot Tatum uh, takes that's not blocked. I I don't care how bad it looks. I've seen this guy just knock down deep threes with hands in his face. So other than Tatum, who can pretty much, you know, shoot from wherever he wants in whatever situation, the rest of the team, it, they're just struggling, in my opinion, to get good looking shots. It, it's like they're working so hard to get a good shot. Whereas the warriors, you know, it's just so, it just looks so much easier for them. Their ball movement is getting guys to shoot open three. It's, it's the extra passes the warriors are making. They're, they're just, they're passing up a good shot for a great shot. Um, And the Celtics, I think are just settling for good or average and and bad shots. Um, And I don't know Brown's got to be better. I thought he started off the game really good um, in game two, but Horford was disappointing. Smart was disappointing. Smart's game is not three point. He takes way too many threes in my opinion. And so it's one of those things too, where they just have to play, you know, look at the games that they've won and try and mirror that. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it's it just feels like the Celtics are just struggling to get good shot attempts from the players that should be shooting because uh, they, they have the talent to do it. It's not like this is a bad team and they're like, we're missing the pieces and stuff. They're healthy. They, they should be doing better. They're just not. Um, and then finally, I'll let Connor talk about uh, the defensive improvements they need to make, and especially in the third quarter. So is this more so on the Warriors, you think, or the the Celtics? Um, 
do they need to go with different lineups? What do you, how did they stop these third quarter runs the Warriors have? I mean, almost in my mind, it's one of those things just like almost how can you, because the Warriors have been known for this for a long time now. I mean, you know, back to the days of, you know, when they were in the finals against the Cavs every year, it was just like this team, I think Jalen Rose called them like the third quarter Warriors are like the 31st team in the NBA. Like they're just so good in the third quarter. It's almost unreal. And I mean, it's honestly, in my mind, I feel like it's, I'm not sure there's much the Celtics can do because I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, you talk about changing lineups, but you know, every single one of their starters had a vote for defensive player of the year. So you know, it's not like they have bad defenders out there on their starting lineup or, you know, sometimes I was seeing this in like the NHL playoffs. One of the reasons why they were saying that, like, the home team has an advantage is because you they have the last line change, so to speak. So the home team can get the matchups on the ice that they want where, you know, and so that way teams usually do better defensively at home. But in the NBA, it's like, you know, it's just the same five guys every time. So. You know, it's just kind of baffling. It's just I, I give the credit to Gold State, honestly, like more so than it just being a problem with the Celtics. But the Celtics do really need to try and figure out something because, you know, obviously in they went in with a lead at halftime in game one. And then by the end of the third quarter, they were down by 12. And, you know, they got lucky in game three or in game one that they were able to overcome it. And they were able to, you know, they went on that you know, an insane fourth quarter run of their own to win the game. But, you know, they let it happen again in game two where it was, you know, a two point Golden State lead at halftime. And then all of a sudden Golden State outscores them by 21 in the third quarter. And now you're in an, a hole that you're not going to make up like the Warriors weren't going to let it happen a second time that you were going to get that fourth quarter, you know, insane quarter. So like I said, I don't know, I guess just, you know, get back to that defense that you have been working all year. I mean, you know, I know part of it is I gave a lot of the credit to the Warriors, but I mean, if you look at especially Tatum in game two, I mean, you know, I know a lot of this came in the third quarter, but the fact that he was negative 36, I mean, that is abysmal for a player of his caliber, especially again, you know, he got votes for defensive player of the year, just the same as the rest of them. And, you know, Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year, and he can't do everything. Everyone else has to help out. So it's just find a way to stop it. I don't know how you're going to slow it down, you know, but just play better team defense in my mind. That's all I can really say. It's just you have to go back to your game, your style of play, and play the team defense that you know you can play, and it won't happen. The Warriors won't do that, and you won't need to make these massive fourth-quarter comebacks like they had to do in game one. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the Warriors can carry it over when they're on the road. I mean, it's not been an issue in the past, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do on the road. And if the third quarter trend continues, because if it's even continuing on the road, then that's really bad news for the Celtics, especially if they're not, you know, going into halftime with big leads or anything. Yeah, totally agree. And it, these things all circle back to each other. So it's the the turnovers that that problem is helping the problem of the third quarter uh, because the Warriors are just getting so many easy points. And then the Celtics also in turn aren't scoring when they're turning it over. So these things all kind of circle together. Um, So moving on, let's, let's talk about the X factors uh, that we had in last week's episode. And then now that we're two games in, uh, do we like our X factor picks? Do we want to change them? 
uh, I will let Eric talk about um, his X Factor he had for the Warriors. Yeah, Connor and I both had uh, Andrew Wiggins, so I we can kind of talk about yeah. him together here. But I I still think Andrew Wiggins is the biggest X Factor for the Warriors. I would be willing to argue maybe Clay Thompson now just because of how he needs to step up like we talked about earlier. But I'm still I'm still giving it to Andrew Wiggins. I mean, part of you know the issues that Jason Tate has been having with his turnovers, like Andrew Wiggins has been a big part of that by, you know, helping force some of those turnovers or, you know, like blocking shots. And I I didn't expect him to, you know, contribute this much on the defensive end, but like game one, he had a good amount of points. He wasn't as effective in game two, but he didn't need to be just with the way the rest of the team was playing. Like I, I still have him as my solid X factor here, but Connor, do you agree with me or are you changing your pick? Yeah, I still agree that Wiggins is should be the solid X factor. I will say if I could think of someone else who could maybe be another X factor, I probably wouldn't say Clay just because like Clay is expected to do good. So it's one of those things that I'm not sure I would really consider him an X factor. I think him being bad is just like it just needs to get fixed rather than him being an X factor. But if there's another player that I could think of as an X factor for them, I would think it'd be Jordan Poole in my mind because you know, he's the guy coming off the bench who's playing in that position that Clay's playing in. And, you know, if Clay's not having a good game, then Poole really needs to step up. And Poole did that in game two. You know, Poole was, he had 17 points. He was five of nine from behind the arc. And, you know, he had a really good game for them. So he was able to pick up the slack for Clay in that game because Wiggins honestly didn't play, at least offensively, he didn't play very good in game uh, two either. But, um, so Poole was able to step in there, but I definitely still agree that Wiggins needs to be the X factor because assuming that Clay Thompson does find that form again, then, you know, Wiggins does need to be the reliable third scorer. Cause if Clay is playing out of his mind, then Poole's not going to get as many minutes as, you know, he would be when Clay has been playing the way that he is, because, you know, if I'm the Warriors and Clay is hot and Steph is hot, then there's no way I'm taking them out and putting, pool in there and if i'm putting pool in there then wiggins is the one that i'm taking out like i'm going small so um in my mind wiggins does still have to be the biggest x factor and like you said he's just got to keep up the the good defense on tatum since he's the one guarding him most of the time and you know when you're getting jason tatum to commit four turnovers a game and you know he had a good scoring outing in game two but in game one tatum was like three of 14 or something abysmal like that you know so if you can keep that up and take away the Celtics best player, then, you know, good on you. Like I said, it doesn't always have to be from the offensive side of the ball, but uh, just, I, I agree. Wiggins is still the X factor. All right. And then I've got the Boston side of things. I picked Marcus Smart as my X factor for him. And I, I think he's still a, a big X factor for them. He had a, a good game one. They ended up winning that game. He had a, a pretty bad game too. And they lost game two. But uh, from, you know, watching the both the games so far, I almost want to change it to be Al Horford because he's an even more extreme example of this. Um, had a great game in game one, terrible game in game two. I mean, he ended up, I think, you know, having like over 20 point differential from his game one and game two performance. So that that's the kind of thing that is we what we would expect in an X factor because they can either be really good or really bad. And it's and how they play depends 
is going to impact the result. You know, Tatum is almost like the reverse X factor because he had a much better game two than game one, but they, they won game one. So it didn't matter, but um, Horford, and I should have seen this coming because all throughout the playoffs, Horford has been up and down. Unlike anybody else. I, it's kind of crazy. I think it's just his age right now, but uh, he has some really good games where it's like, dang, this is prime Al Horford, like, you know, doing really good for the Celtics and then other games where, you know, he's their 10th best player on the court, you know? So it's, it's very up and down with him. I think at home, he'll get it back together. Uh, and that's why I think the Celtics still have a shot in the series. Um, I, I still think they, this will go seven games. Warriors win in seven, but uh, Horford really has to step up and he's a major X factor for him. And that will be it for the episode, guys. Thanks for listening and watching this. And Eric, are you going to be coming out with a uh, daily fantasy type video for game three for our viewers? I do. Yes. Uh, Since I already did a Captain Showdown uh, video, I'll probably do a prize picks video next. Uh, So let's see. This is coming out Tuesday some people watching this Tuesday. So yeah, it'll be tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, I will be uploading that. So if you want to win some money, be on the lookout. Cause uh, while I haven't done the greatest on DraftKings, on prize picks, I've hit on three in a row. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know, for, for that great content, you can uh, find it on our YouTube channel, clutch crew sports. You can search it, hit the link in our episode notes below, but yeah, subscribe to that YouTube channel. We we keep saying this every episode, but there's more and more content on there every day. Uh, I, I put out a video talking about the NBA draft, who I think the Magic should take first overall. Connor had another weekly hockey video, and you know his hockey content is spot on with with his predictions. So um, another thing, <laughs> I wish it had been spot on with the Hurricanes, but true, I, yeah. I do appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, but but other than that, I mean, you've had a really good run on it. So yeah, I mean, um, the, I mean, other than you know, I even I know Calgary kind of went out in bad fashion, but the Avalanche are making me look smart right now. And then you know, as long as Tampa can get it back together in Game Four and even up the series, they'll make me look good too. So yeah, yeah. In case, in case if you're wondering, Connor literally called that the Rangers would win the first two games, and then that the Lightning would win the rest of them. So like literally all three games, even before the series started, he's predicted exactly how they were going to go. Genius. <laughs> just, yeah, just now saying. I'm gonna, see, now I'm going to look stupid. Now the Rangers are going to win Game Four, and it's going to be like ah. No, 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 no. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, hit up that YouTube channel. Um, our podcasts are on there as well, so you can see it on video form. Um, it's just just a good thing to to do. So yeah, that'll be it, guys. Finish promoting the YouTube channel, and remember, be clutch. Bye. Thanks.